We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. What's good, Knicks Nation? Alex Jutteris here, a.k.a. the Tratocaster, back again with another Game of the Week preview. This time is the New York Knicks facing the Atlanta Hawks at MSG on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Now, before we get into it, make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to check out KnicksFanTV.com, who is sponsoring, and this is presented by. And coming, off, coming on with us today to break this preview down is none other than Brad Rowan, host of the Locked On Hawks. Brad, how are you doing today, man? How are you feeling? We're living the dream here in December, man. It's always a good time, a good time of year overall. It's been busy in Atlanta the last couple of days, but uh, we're all having fun. Hey, man, at least it's better than what it is up here. It has to be better, right? What's the weather? I'm, I, right now, I'm, even though I'm from New York, I live in Boston, so it's it's a double-edged sword. Not only does it get a little bit colder, but I also got to deal with Pats fans as I'm a Jets fan, got Celtics fans as I'm a Knicks fan, so forth. So it's 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 rough out here, but it's brick. It is brick city. It's about 40 <laughs> degrees. What's it, What's it like right now in Atlanta? Uh, it's warmer than that. It's actually been raining the last two days, but it was like 60 the other oh, day. Man. So I, I know, I know that, that'll make you jealous in a hurry. It does but, make uh, me jealous, man. <laughs> it, does get, it, it does get cold here, but not cold like up there, if that makes sense. So Yeah, I know. I got family out there. It's like, you guys are enjoying nice 50 degree weather. I'm up here enjoying, enjoying, uh, you know, below 30, close to negative one some days, depending on the Ooh. right day. But we're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to preview this game of the Knicks facing the Hawks yet again. Second time they'll be facing off. This season, you guys got us last time. We had a 23-point lead, came back, took us down. But how do you feel about this team overall, man? Are they Have they been living up to your expectations so far? It's really weird. Like, their record is kind of what you would expect it to be. They're over 500. They're not lighting the world on fire. It's just been the way that it's happened that's a little bit strange. Like, the offense is not playing super well. And this has been an offensive team the mm. last two years, in particular with Trey Young. Uh, and the defense, which was terrible last year, is playing well. And they're like in the top 10 in the league in defensive efficiency and all those numbers. And so like the overall product has kind of been what you think, but at the same time, nobody's happy because they're used to the offense being awesome and the mm. offense has not been awesome so far. So there's a little bit of angst despite a, a positive record. Do you think that has, 
anything to do with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray being per, uh, paired up? Because last season, you know, you had Trey Young running the entire show, being that offensive juggernaut. You had uh, Kevin Hurdy, you had Gallo, all those guys who are good role players that fit around Trey Young. But now with DeJounte Murray, another guard that needs to be on ball, do you think that's throwing everything off? It's kind of an interesting thing because, like, on one hand, they do make sense together in some ways. And when they've played together, the numbers are actually good, which is kind of not what you would think. If all, if all I told you was those guys, they made all those changes, they come in, you might have think that it wouldn't be working together. When they play together, the numbers are good. It's just when basically the DeJounte-only minutes without Trey are not going very well. And mm-hmm. it's because the bench is kind of bad. And um, that's a whole different rabbit hole. But this this team is not built as like plug and play as it was a year ago. Like basically like you just laid out, they had all these shooters around Trey Young and Trey Young plus a role man and a bunch of shooters is like a very easy way to have an awesome offense. It just makes Mm -hmm. sense. Now they have a little bit more like nuance to get into with how to use those guys together. And I think it was a move that was made to help the defense and to help the upside, but it also did lower the floor of the offense. I think that's part of this. And, uh, you know, I think some of it will probably improve with guys getting healthy, like Badanovich coming back the other day. But uh, I, I think that's kind of a, it's incomplete so far. It's been okay when they play together, but the, uh, the, the single guy lineups are not going well so far. Okay. And do you think that's a Nate McMillan thing? Do you think his coaching has anything to do with, you know, the struggles of like that second unit that we're talking about? And we'll get more into the second unit later in this match, into this uh, preview. Yeah, I think that Nate is, the way I've been saying it is not, he's not the guy that I would choose in a vacuum to run an offense with these two guys. Nate is very old school and not in a terrible way. I think he's um, one of those like middle of the road coaches that doesn't like change your life either way, which is most of the league, to be honest. (laughs) But I don't think that like innovation wise offensively is not his strength. And I think that they are taking a few too many mid-range jumpers, which Nate likes that mid-range area a lot more than most coaches do in the modern, in the modern game. And like the ball movement's not been great either. Part of that though is the players. Like I think having, like you just kind of alluded to, having two guys who are very used to having the ball in their hands, they they're at fault too. Like they're not quite flowing yet either. So it's it's kind of both sides. But I don't think that if you were starting a franchise with these two guys, you would choose Nate to be their coach probably. Okay, okay. And so getting back to you know Dejounte Murray and Trey Young, how did you feel about Dejounte Murray joining the team? I like the move. They, they paid a lot for him. They paid market price. It wasn't quite the Rudy Gobert craziness package. <laughs> uh, that made everything look better, honestly, because the Murray thing happened before the Gobert thing. And I think a lot of the reaction was like, whoa, they gave up a lot for, for a lot for Murray. And then like a few days later, the Gobert trade happened. Everybody's like, so that Murray package is all right after, after all. Um, again, it's kind of the same thing. I don't think that you would, he's not perfect next to Trey, but they like his defense and his activity level there. And they went into this offseason looking for a specific player that could both help their point of attack defense and be a legitimate creator next to Trey. Because as soon as they got Trey, that's the number one star. And as soon as that happened, as you might, as you might imagine, I think the Knicks have had the same thing. When you get the number one guy in the the door, the next question is who's the number two guy. And they were looking for the number two guy. And Murray is not perfect in that role, but he was available. He is making not a ton of money at this point in time. He's on their timeline that he's still pretty young. So mm. I liked the move. I wasn't one of the people going crazy about it, talking about them being a, a contender this year or anything like that. But if the guy's available, that's like a fringe all-star and you can get him for like a somewhat reasonable cost, you just go ahead and do it, I think. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. When you get, I mean, well, let me ask you this because there was also thoughts that once Kevin Durant was that door open that he could potentially be traded. There was some like, oh, maybe you shouldn't have traded for DeJounte Murray. You could have gotten Kevin Durant. What are your thoughts on that issue? Yeah, it's easy to say that. And I guess it's true. Like maybe the Hawks would have had a pretty good 
package for Kevin Durant. And maybe he would have liked to play with Trey. I don't know how those guys get along. I'm sure they get along fine, but it's not like those guys have a noted relationship. Um, I guess maybe in Oklahoma city, when Trey grew, grew up there, there's a little bit of crossover with Durant and Trey, but I think you can't justifiably wait and not do the Murray thing. Thinking Kevin Durant's just going to magically become right. available uh, with four years left on his contract. So yeah, I, I think obviously you'd rather have Durant even at kind of any price than DeJounte Murray, but you couldn't really hold out. And honestly, the way that it happened, I'm not sure how much Brooklyn actually wanted to trade Kevin Durant. They kind of mm-hmm. could have done it and didn't. And I think they kind of held out trying to get the perfect offer for him. Maybe the Hawks could have made it, but that's one of those pie in the sky things, I think. For sure, for sure. So getting back to the whole Trey Young and DeJounte Murray pairing, do you think this is like a long-term success? Because you mentioned those struggles. So where do you see it going in the future? It's a great question. I mean, the big thing is Murray becomes a free agent at the end of the 24 season. So he's only under contract for a year and a half. And they can't really mm-hmm. extend him without going crazy into the details. Like the max they can offer him is not enough money for him to sign it. So like they really don't have a way under the current rules to extend him. So he's going to hit free agency. And anytime a guy hits free agency, he can leave. And there's nothing you can really do to stop him. They can offer them the most money. And they're probably going to offer him the max when they can. But uh, they have a year a year plus to figure out and enough to make everybody happy. And that is Trey. That is DeJounte. That is winning as an organization and also decide what you're going to do with your books because kind of famously now the Hawks ducked the tax this year with, with the Kevin Herter trade and mm-hmm. they can't do that long-term. If they're going to have both these guys under contract, Trey and DeJounte at the max, because DeJounte's making not a lot of money right now when he's making the max, those questions become even louder. So I think on the court, I do like the pairing, but it mm-hmm. is not a lock that he's on this team three years from now by any means. Okay. And, and, you know, you talked about the books and the contracts, and there's always one person that we always have to talk about that's always in trade rumors, John Collins. So do you think that's the reason why he's always brought up in trade rumors? Why, why is he always in trade rumors? Let's, let's just get down to that. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's crazy, actually. Uh, I've been doing this for two and a half years now with John Collins, maybe three years of just constant trade rumors, and it's already happening now in November. Right now he's hurt as we're talking, so mm-hmm. maybe it's a little bit cooler at the moment. But part of it's money, like they – Clearly didn't want to invest in him a year early. He hit free agency. They signed him to kind of just keep the asset intact. They Mm -hmm. like him, but he's not a perfect fit with what they're doing because they've kind of pigeonholed him into this small role next to a non-shooting center. And I think uh, what you would want if you're John Collins is to play next to somebody who can space the floor at the five. And the Hawks only had that guy. And Capella's awesome. And that's that. They've They've actually played quite well with Collins and Capella on the court. But it seems like there's just like a little bit of a twinge on the front office side and the coaching staff side to like maybe have somebody else there, even if they kind of like him. The thing is, they're also asking for the full return for John Collins. That's why he's still on the team. They want to mm. stay They want to stay good, and they're asking for a lot for him, but also they're always making him in trades. So they're, like, they're almost hurting their own leverage. It's just like continuous cycle. It's actually insane to think about how long this has been going on with the exact same talking points. It's like the Hawks want a full return for him. They don't want to trade him and get worse. There's no one behind him. Jalen Johnson's a good prospect, but he's not ready to be a starting mm-hmm. power forward right now in the NBA. So it's like these conflicting things on all sides, and it ends up with Collins just still hanging out in Atlanta. And so, like, you know, and you, was it your GM or your president of basketball operations last year who was like he regretted keeping the same team and so forth? So, do you, and you talk about Collins, like they want the full return on him. Like, what is the full return? And do you think anything ha- of, your, your GM or president, I forget who it was. Um, and just please refresh me when you get the chance. Like, who was it that said that wish they didn't bring everybody back? And what is the value they're looking for John Collins? Yeah, it was the president of basketball operations, Travis Schlenk. He used to be the GM and got elevated. So he's, he's the GM role. It's just that he's the head of the front office. Uh, he did say that in the middle of last year when they were really struggling 
And I think everybody, ownership down, was talking about how they, you know, should have made more changes. And that the one thing I knew going into the offseason this last year was that they were going to do something different because uh, mm-hmm. they, they just were not cool with running it back. And that led to the Murray trade and all that stuff. Um, the thing with Collins is that they're, they have been asking for a starting power forward caliber player plus more for him in trades, basically. Mm. Because of the fact that while they had Gallinari in previous years, Gallinari's not there anymore. They couldn't really turn it over to Jalen Johnson. So that's a lot of the reason why I think you see Phoenix as a team that's talked about with John Collins because they have Jay Crowder as a ready-made power forward to trade for him, even though he's not playing for the Suns right now. But the thing is, ownership wants the Hawks to win now and not take a step back. And if you just took John Collins off the roster, they don't have a four that is ready to play big minutes. And that's like very short-term, very narrow thinking. But I promise you that's part of the calculus because the Hawks want to make sure they are still good now. And that makes your life hard. You're kind of tying your hands when you, on one hand, want to trade a guy, but on the other hand, it has to be this very, very narrow return. And I think that's what it is. It's basically they want a four and some other stuff to make it happen. And nobody's kind of met that price just yet. And like, what type of four would be like the perfect fit for this Hawks then? Like if Collins isn't it, who is? And I know Knicks fans right now, some of them are thinking, is Julius Randle that guy? Because they're ready to trade it's Julius Randle. It's not Julius <laughs> okay. Randle. I promise you it's not Julius Randle. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it, it's weird because Collins does a lot of stuff that, that they actually need, and that, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. The weird thing about Collins is that he started off as this very bad defender early in his career and in college, and is now like a genuine positive defensively. He's become a really good defender. But on offense, his best skill set is rolling to the rim, and he's a great finisher around the rim but he's not in pick and roll anymore because they use their centers in pick and roll. And it's, it's kind of like the Obi Toppin thing a little bit mm. to put it in, to put it in Nick's terms. Um, Collins is more established, obviously has done, has done more in his career, but it's kind of similar in that way. As far as like perfect fits, I think provided you keep the same structure with Capella at center, the best thing for the Hawks to have would be the thing that everybody wants, which is a guy who can defend and also shoot threes and be comfortable on the perimeter more than Collins can. Collins can shoot threes. He's having a bad year this year as a point shooter, but they want, like, I think they would probably be better off just schematically with someone who is more of a dead eye, like, let it fly shooter, and maybe less of a guy who needs the ball um, going to the rim like Collins does. So, is that guy available? I don't know who that guy is. I mean, people talk about Kyle Kuzma or Jay Crowder or whatever. Those guys are not as good as John Collins, in my opinion. And Kuzma's gotten a lot better, but there's never been that perfect fit. And again, not to repeat myself, that's why he's still on the team. They cannot find the guy they actually want for him. Maybe it's Laurie Marketing, man. Maybe you guys do a deal with the Utah Jazz, and maybe that's the guy who can. And they won't do that anymore. I, th- yeah. I think six months ago they might have done that trade. Utah, Utah's maybe. not going to do that anymore. And <laughs> <laughs> now they're just like, oh wow, got a yeah. got a little hidden gem over here. I mean, Laurie's been going off this season, having a good season, but we're not talking about the Jazz. We're still talking about the Hawks. So keeping on keeping along with like you, you know, you mentioned how the team wanted to change it up, shake everything up. You get rid of Herder. You got rid of Gallo. You brought in Murray. How is it? How is the team feeling with the loss of Gallo and Herder? Do you think that's been extremely impactful to this team? Do you wish they still had them? What are your thoughts about those guys? I think the biggest thing coming into the year is that the Hawks had three guys I would classify as like knockdown shooters as role players last year. It was the two guys you just mentioned, Gallo and Herder and Bogdanovich. Uh, in addition to Trey Young, who's a really good shooter as well. But three role player shooters. And this year, they've had zero of those guys. Because Bogey just came back a couple of days ago, has been hurt all season long. Gallo, not there anymore. Herder got traded. And they just don't have a lot of spacing on this team. They don't have a lot of shooting on this roster. Now, A.J. Griffin is helping because he's actually played quite well for a rookie. I'm of the mind that usually rookies are not very good. But A.J. Griffin's playing pretty well and shooting the ball pretty well. But aside from him, 
they've really, really, really felt it on offense. The lack of space for Trey, the lack of space for DeJounte to get into the paint. Um, it's They have guys who can shoot. Your, your Justin Holidays, your DeAndre Hunters, like they have to be guarded, but not the same way that Herter and Gallo have to be guarded. So that's the biggest loss. The Kevin Herter trade did not uh, have a huge ripple effect over the summer in Atlanta. I was more upset about it than most were. And then Kevin Herter came out and made every shot for the first two months of the season. And that became a huge talking point in Atlanta. Like, what is going on? Why is this guy, uh, why do they trade this guy? And my answer is because they wanted to save money. And that's that's a terrible answer. Fans hate that. When you make a trade that makes your team worse to save money, no one likes that. And same thing with Gallo. Gallo was a, was a money thing as well. Now, they ended up getting DeJounte in that trade. And that was kind of a way to do a sign-in trade kind of-ish kind of thing. But they were not going to bring Gallo back either. And it was had to do with money. So having those pockets not be uh, willing to spend is kind of the biggest reason why those guys are not here, but they're definitely feeling it, I think, on offense. Mm, you know, we've seen teams do that in the past, like Oklahoma City Thunder, where you don't pay your guys. And you could have, you know, if you keep it, what what could have been? And I liked Herter on the Hawks, man. I thought he was a good sharpshooter. I thought he played his role really well at such a high level. It was it, To me, it was actually pretty shocking that you guys let him go in the sense that, like, you, you just allowed him to go to Sacramento, right? And then... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The other trade that I got to bring up, because he's on the Knicks, is Cam Reddish. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts, one, about Cam Reddish's tenure with the Hawks? And why, why did he get traded? Because we've had these discussions, especially on this channel, where, you know, he was a distressed asset in Atlanta. It's for the Knicks took a risk because, one, we traded you Kevin Knox. Uh, got a first, uh, we traded you, we traded Kevin Knox in the first round, top protected pick, highly protected pick. To Atlanta, we got uh, 
I forget the I forget the other guy's name, but we got him. We got Cam and I'm gonna bring up break it forgetting it the was, name. It was Solomon Hill who was hurt. Solomon Hill, thank you. It was Solomon he was, Hill. He was, yeah. he was a throw in for money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So we get Cam. Everyone's been asking for Cam to come through, but like, what were the what were some of the what were the issues with Cam? Like, why didn't the Hawks stay like stick with him and invest in him as a wing? Yeah. Part of it was that he didn't want to be here anymore by the end. And you could certainly mm-hmm. talk about why that might be. But he asked for a trade. That, that, that became public after the fact. We didn't know that at the time. But um, he asked for a trade going into last season. They didn't make it ha- happen right away. But they kind of pledged to him that they would trade him if they could and have a good return for him. And they got that return from the Knicks. Um, the th- biggest thing on the court was that, and, and you probably have seen this too, I, I've watched a little bit of Cam with the Knicks. And it's been a little bit more on this line. But my fundamental observation on Cam, I think the teams was Cam thinks he's going to be a star and the Hawks did not. By the time year three happened, they kind of knew he wasn't going to be a star, at least not in mm. Atlanta. And that's, that's a fundamental thing where a young guy just does not understand or buy into the fact that he's a role player on this team. And he was not doing the role player thing that they needed him to do. I've, I've always thought, and I think he's flashed at some with the Knicks this year. Like there's a really, really good role player in Ken Reddish if he wants to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're a former top five high school prospect and Every time you have a flash, like he'll have a half where he makes a bunch of jump shots and the internet goes ablaze because he, he just looks awesome. When he's got, yeah, when he has it going, for sure. Cam looks awesome and fans latch onto that. But if you watch him every night, all the time, he's not a guy that has that, I, I don't think. Maybe, maybe he'll put me wrong, but I, I've always thought of him as a role player. The Hawks were trying to use him in that way. And honestly, when, they, when the Hawks played Cam last year, he made them worse. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but the numbers, the numbers showed that out. And I think they they were giving him minutes because of they wanted him to, to develop. But if they were just trying to win on one particular night, he wasn't going to help them do that. And that's kind of led to the trade too. So I've always liked him. I, I think I think he's showing a little bit more in New York. You can correct me on that. But uh, he's going to be a tantalizing player forever because when he looks good, fans just see stardom. Oh, and I'm sure. not sure. It's, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's ever coming. For sure. I mean, we. I don't know if you saw like opening night when the Knicks played the Grizzlies. Cam went. He had a 20 plus point performance. He was just attacking the rim really well. His defense was there. Like, everything looked to be clicking. And then as the season's gone on, you know, his defense has been good for them. Like, has been good for the Knicks. When he plays and Todd Thibodeau has trusted him, he gets those minutes. He plays really well, especially on the defensive end. The offense is where I think you look for consistency. And, you know, especially when there's always been a push for Cam now, especially with RJ, who struggles at the beginning of the season, which is just – it's just part – Honestly, as, as a Yankees fan, it's like Mark Teixeira. Just if you tell Teixeira that it's not April, he probably will be better. <laughs> but for for RJ, it's like some for some strange reason, November, December is just months for him to struggle. And, you know, so there's been a bigger push for Cam because of RJ's struggles. But at the same time, like Cam just wasn't even played last night against the, was it? He wasn't play, He didn't play against the Cleveland Cavaliers because he struggled defensively against the Dallas Mavericks. Like, is, is that like what you saw down there, Atlanta? Like defensive struggles, offensive struggles? Like what, what more to his game so that way we can all get a better understanding? Like what were the struggles that Cam had that made him expendable in Atlanta? Yeah, I think that when he's locked in defensively, he actually is pretty good and has a playmaking instinct that is actually positive. I've, I've always kind of liked that about him. Even as a prospect, I thought his defense was underrated because he is long, mm-hmm. he is um, twitchy. He's not the most athletic guy. I think that's actually very much overrated by some people. Like, Cam is not a nuclear athlete. Like, you, you're, he's been a really bad finisher in his career at the rim, and he's not a big leaper either. He's, he's long, he's rangy, but he's not like explosive, go mm-hmm. up and dunk on your head kind of guy. 
um, which I think holds him back in some ways. But the biggest thing in Atlanta, beyond the defense, which I think more happened his last year when he kind of, I think, maybe checked out a little bit. I'm not saying that definitely happened, but he was a little bit less attentive defensively as the season went along. The big thing is that he just he just cannot he has not been efficient as a shooter as as a scorer. He's been better with that with the Knicks if you look at the numbers, but he took a lot of contested jumpers that were not good shots, and he was not able to finish at the rim. And I think that combination plus not being a willing passer, I think he can be a decent passer, but he was not a ball mover either. So if you have a guy who is probably has too much usage, not swinging the ball when he should, stopping and you know, doing all his like one on one creation stuff, and then also not plugging on defense on a team that's trying to win that's not going to go over very well. And I think maybe the fresh start would help him. I think it probably mm-hmm. has, but even then, like he's going to have to just have it, the light go on at some point to be like, all right, my best path to making a hundred million dollars in my career is to become a more, not necessarily pure three and D, but more of a three and D role player. And I think he can do that. I just don't know if he wants to. Gotcha. And you know, we kind of seen that. We kind of seen that from him this season. And that's where the, you know, like that's where we start to see the good play. And as Knicks fans, it's like, Play him more. Let's see if he can get into this type of rhythm. Let's see if he can just work, you know, his way back up. And, you know, there's been a lot of controversy because Quentin Grimes is everything you're talking about, yeah. right? And Quentin Grimes doesn't have the the intangibles like Cam where he's like super tall, has the, has, has, the, uh, has the wingspan to guard multiple positions, but he does all those things. He's a connector. He attacks the lane very well. He, he just knows. He just has high basketball IQ. We've seen some of that from Cam, but it's just do it on a consistent night for, I think, to earn those type of minutes. And I think it depends, like, as you said, does he want to be that role player or not? Um, I think he can I think he can get there if everything hits. Obviously, it's if everything hits. But I understand the aspect of, like, hey, can we just see you as a role player first? And then if you continue to do that really well, we can kind of give you that promotion to being that guy that you think you can be. But, hey, let's talk about this game then because we're going to face each other. Maybe we'll get a cam appearance, uh, <laughs> you know, once again. Maybe he comes out of the 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 doghouse. I don't know what's going on right now. He didn't play at all yesterday against the Cavs, like I said, which was a little confusing. But it might have been because of who the who the opponent was. Like the Cavs were missing a couple of guys, so maybe that was that went to the thought process. But hopefully he's back in this rotation again against the Atlanta Hawks. So looking at this matchup, I see three key matchups that is important for the next player wise, and that's Brunson versus Trey Young. Uh, Quentin Grimes versus DeJounte Murray and Mitchell Robinson against Clint Capella because you don't have Collins right now, as you mentioned, and you don't have Herter. So I wouldn't put Randall or RJ, although like those things for the Hawks, that's the important guys you got to protect because those are all two of those are two of our big three guys. So how do you feel about that? Ma- those matchups that I mentioned right now? Yeah, like you said at the end there, not having Collins or Hunter is big because the Hawks are just different with those, without, without those guys. They have some other strengths, too. They play, play a little bit smaller, a little bit more offense, a little bit more space without them. But then defensively, the Hawks don't really have anybody to guard R.J. Barrett on this roster right now without Hunter available. Now, mm. R.J. is obviously not playing that well so far this year. That, that maybe that, that's not the biggest deal in the world. Maybe you'll see a Duke-on-Duke matchup with A.J. Griffin and R.J. Barrett. That'd be fun. Um, but as, as for the matchup that you talked about, I think the one that I, I personally would circle um, is the center matchup, the Capella, Mitchell Robinson, slash Hartenstein, however you want to do that matchup. Because for me, Capella has arguably been the Hawks MVP this year. Now, he's not better than Trey. Mm. He's not better than DeJounte. But as far as like what has actually happened on the court through 23 games, I could argue Clint's been their MVP this year. He's been really, really good. Mm. Trey's not playing that well for by Trey standard. He's still doing big stuff because he's Trey Young. But he's been inefficient this year. DeJounte's kind of been up and down. But Clint makes everything go for the Hawks, especially on defense. If he's not out there, if he's got foul trouble, or if he's uh, you know not you know flying around at his 100% level, 
they're very much vulnerable on the back end. And it's not like they're going to have Mitchell Robinson kill Capella one-on-one on offense or anything like that um, just because of what, what he can do. But I think that he's the guy that I would, ha- I would tell any opponent to keep an eye on because he just, he's, when he's on the floor, they're a different team. And then of course, you know, Trey versus Jalen is another very obvious one too, because Trey and at MSG, I don't know if you want to get into that. Like obviously gets up for those games. <laughs> uh, Trey seems to have a, a penchant for playing there. He like, he likes playing there. He'll, he, he's actually admitted that like he, he does have a certain, uh, I mean, he came out for a was a wrestling mania, whatever type yeah. of matchup it was. I don't even remember the actual event, but he, <laughs> he showed up to MSG. I'm like, really? This guy, after I think it was at that season after the playoffs, still, I'm like, this yeah. guy just loves MSG, just wants to keep coming back. He really likes to embrace that uh, villain role against the New York Knicks. He really does. Yeah, and especially after the, sort of the dust-up stuff with him and Nate McMillan this week, and I'm sure he'll have a bit of extra oomph for that one, wanting to kind of take attention away from the off court and put it on the, I'm just lighting up, lighting it up again in MSG kind of stuff. So uh, that's always a big thing, like especially with the way the Knicks defend. That's the kind of system, the drop system that New York often runs that Trey loves to play against too. Like he's just mm-hmm. very comfortable against drop and he can be getting into kind of the spots and clearly Jalen is not going to be guarding Trey a whole lot because he can't, he can't do that. I don't think um, I'll respect Jalen Brunson who's been playing very well defensively, not the best. Um, so. Neither is Trey, by the way. Trey's even worse. So I don't want to make uh, have that misconstrued. Trey's even worse. But uh, yeah, I, I think if if Trey and Jalen Brunson is a, is an even matchup, advantage Knicks. Obviously, I think the Hawks need Trey to win that matchup head to head to be uh, on the offensive, especially on the road when you're playing against a team that's at least capable of beating you. Now, I would expect Dejounte Murray to honestly guard Jalen Brunson and probably Trey to go for Quentin Grimes just because of you know the level of play. But agreed. You know, I, I, who who? So if you don't have if you don't have Hunter and if you don't have Collins, who are the guys that are in those spots right now in the starting rotation? Yeah, it's it's been a little bit, a little bit fluid because they've actually had other injuries too in the last couple of games since those guys went out. But the big thing is A.J. Griffin is essentially taking on a starting small forward role on this team mm-hmm. right now. They have Bogdanovich who's now back. I'm not sure by the time they get to New York how much his limits limit will be in, in place. Mm. But he's he's their best available wing. It's just that he's not himself quite yet after a seventh month after a seven month injury. So those mm-hmm. are the two guys that are like the primary wings. And then you have kind of a mismatch at the four. You have Jalen Johnson, who's been starting at the four, second year guy who's talented but not proven. They've been using Jarrett Culver as a small ball four, former lottery pick. He's mm-hmm. been playing hard and playing decently well for them. Justin Holiday is like the more veteran option, but he's more of a he's definitely small. Both both Culver and Holiday are small. They really only have one four on the roster right now, and it's Jalen Johnson. Everybody else is like threes playing the four. And uh, mm. size-wise, definitely advantage Knicks because even the Hawks' backup center is six eight. They have they have really they have one big available that's like a true blue big man. It's Clint Capella. Everybody else is uh, just trying to play up a little bit of a spot. So if you're looking for an area that the Knicks have a, a size advantage, it's definitely up front. Yeah, I think the even matchup would probably be. And I would probably give Haw- the Hawks like the Trey Young like experience, like the obviously the edge, just because it's Trey Young, just a lethal shooter. Once he gets cooking, it's it's very hard to stop him. And Brunson, it'd be t- it'd be tough because I wouldn't want Brunson on Dejounte Murray, but you have to put Grimes on, or I would love to have Grimes on Trey Young. But those are just two guards that it's you're losing either way for Jalen Brunson. I'd rather have the size advantage, like the size like similar for Brunson and Trey Young, rather than put. Brunson against Dejounte Murray. I feel like that would just be, that wouldn't be that would that would not be a great matchup whatsoever. But the one that you mentioned is definitely the four position with Julius Randle. That's where I think for the Knicks they would have to, and even you know a little bit of the wings. Although I don't know how AJ uh, AJ Griffin's been playing. You know, you say 
Uh, Bogey is not healthy yet, so I don't know if you want him just running out there right now as he's coming back from an injury, as you mentioned. But definitely Randall and then RJ would be the second guy I look at. And Jalen would have to be just kind of like that stabilizing factor where he just needs to be efficient. He can't lose you the game, but he just needs to be efficient just because it's going to be a difficult on the other end guarding Trey Young. But let's get to the benches, man. You mentioned it earlier in this in this show where the bench the bench kind of struggles for Atlanta. So, you know, I'm looking at who, who's your bench then? If you're going to be promoting A.J. Griffin it, or, or if, if Bogey's starting, it's either be one of those guys. You got yeah. Onyeka Okongwu, you got Aaron Holiday. How's your bench looking this season? Yeah, not not great necessarily. Now, the Hawks have, whenever Trey and DeJounte are both healthy, they have been staggering them the entire game so that one of them's on the court at all times. So that, that in theory, helps your bench because you have a star-level guard on the floor literally every minute of the game. That's mm-hmm. helpful. Um, you mentioned Aaron Holiday. He's been their third guard kind of guy. Um, Bogey or Griffin will be out there. Um, the backup four, spent, four minutes, I would I would guess it's either going to be Justin Holiday or Jarrett Culver. Um, we'll learn more between now and then because of the Collins injury and then a Kongwu. So, you know, the, the big thing about this Hawks team this year is that the non-Trey Young minutes have been really bad. And that's been, that's been the case for three or four years now. It's nothing new. Mm. But not even DeJounte has been able to kind of save these bench units and the Hawks don't have a ton of talent off the bench. I think a Kongwu is an underrated player in some respects, but he's actually had a not great season so far. So it's going to be a small unit. For sure, I will tell you that uh, with big confidence. When, when the bench is out there, it's going to be a small, maybe switchy kind of group because Murray can switch more than Trey can. They'll be playing uh, basically Murray and three wings plus a six-eight center. So it's kind of a modern lineup that's not not as, not as plotting, but um, also not a ton of shooting unless uh, either Bogey or Griffin is going off. So um, I know it's, a, it's not necessarily a super sexy description of that lineup, but I promise you, it's not great. The bench has not been playing all that well this year. So the Knicks are deeper than the Hawks. If the Knicks are healthy, the Knicks are deeper than the Hawks. I'll, t- I'll say that right now. Yeah, and that's usually where our strength has been, although it's kind of been up and down, especially with Derrick Rose this season. Derrick Rose has been that stabilizing factor for the second unit. He has been inconsistent this play. I think it's due to the fact that he had season-ending ankle surgery in December of the 2021-2022 season. And he's still, you see, there's some nights where he looks like he has it all together. And there's other nights where it's like, what is going on, Derek Rose? Like, we need you to be playing better. But other than that, like, Emmanuel Cook has been starting to get back into into rhythm. You know, depending if Cam Reddish is playing, that's the other guy that we got to rely on. Obi Toppin, when he's efficient, he's one of our most efficient guys off the bench, even though he's been struggling as of late. And then it comes down to Isaiah Hartenstein, who I think has been just misutilized on this team because he is more of an offensive center than really the rim protector that Tom Thibodeau looks for. And we haven't really utilized his strength, which is, you know, being a passing big, getting him the open looks, like getting a lot of those floaters like we did at the beginning of the season. And right, and as of recent, he's just kind of taken a step back. Like we saw a good amount of minutes against the Cavs last night where he was starting to get some offense going here and there. Um, but nothing really too impactful, in my opinion, to say, all right, focus on the Isaiah Hartenstein because that's what he offers. Now we also get Miles McBride in there. Like that's who played instead of Derrick Rose last night against the Cavs. So offensively, I know like looking at the numbers right now, the bench unit looks better. The good thing that the Knicks do is staggering minutes with RJ Barrett and Julius Randle. Those are the two guys. So it kind of, we leave an offensive player out there and Jalen Brunson too. Between those guys, that's what the bench, that's how the bench really is supported is when you have one or even two of those guys running with the second unit just to kind of stabilize that offense because those are the guys we really got to rely on. So if that's the case for this, that's where I'm looking for the Knicks to really start taking that lead. And hopefully give some payback for the Atlanta Hawks, man. You guys disrespected <laughs> us last time. You guys disrespected us. But it was quite a comeback. I'll say that. Sure. It was quite the comeback, man. Not too thrilled about it. Not too thrilled. <laughs> Especially on this show. We did not have a good time talking about it on this show. I understand. Show. 
Um, but Brad, thank you for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Before I get you out of here, what are your what are your predictions for the final score of this game? Ooh, uh, hmm. I think because it's in New York and because the Hawks are shorthanded, I think like the folks in Vegas will probably have this one's like a maybe a coin flip game. I think the mm-hmm. Hawks would be favored if they were probably if they were healthier, but they're not. I don't know. I, I think I might narrowly lean Hawks because Trey just enjoys it so much. And I think he's probably mm. going to have a big game, but um, you know, close for sure. I'll, I'll be surprised if it's a blowout either direction. I know it's a, it's an NBA game and a regular season, like stuff, weird stuff happens. Like we saw the last, the last time the Hawks were terrible for a half and then the Hawks were great for a half. And we saw that going kind of back and forth. Um, I don't know, like a two point Hawks win or something like that. Uh, I'll, I'll say, uh, if you want, you want to score for me on this one? Uh, yeah. Give me a score. Uh, give me a score. One. 109-107. Okay. Okay. Out of nowhere. I have no idea. I have no idea how I got there in my brain. There you go. 109-107. <laughs> I like it. I like, I, like, I like the high score, the kind of high scoring affair. That's what I like. Not the Hawks winning. I like the high scoring affair because right. I do think this is going to be a high scoring affair. The Knicks defense, even though it was, like I, I can go back to that Cavs game, it was kind of good. It was, well, it was good, actually, I'll say. Knicks defense against the Cavs was good, not against the Mavs. Mavs was just god-awful. We were close first half and then just all fell apart in the second half. So I'm going to think this is going to be a high scoring affair. I'm not sure the Knicks defense is going to show up for this one. I think, cause I just think this team, they've been efficient offensively. They've been in the top half of the, of the league when it comes to scoring. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with one, I'm going to go one fifteen, one eleven Knicks. That's what I'm going with. I think it's going to be a little high scoring affair. I think the offense is really going to be, because you guys are going to rely on Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. And DeJounte Murray did show up uh, in the second half against the first against that first game. Yep. So I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm, that's one thing. I'm thinking that you're going to have a, uh, an even shooting affair from both those players. And the Knicks are just going to get their, the scoring from all their three big guys. That's what I got for tonight. But Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show. Please let Knicks Nation know, or even all the listeners who are tapping in from Hawks Nation, let them know where they can find uh, your work or if you got anything coming up. Yeah, uh, usual stuff you might imagine, uh, plug-and-play coverage. I am the host of the Lots on Hawks podcast five times a week or so on any platform you like, that you like to consume podcasts, YouTube, et cetera. Um, I also am running on Patreon. I have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash btroland, which is my Twitter handle as well, writing about the Hawks there. And uh, I also about, write about the whole NBA at Dime on Up Rocks. So if you like NBA coverage, that's a great place to go, Dime on Up Rocks. That's all I got. It's going to be a, a fun game, to be sure, and I appreciate you having me. No problem, Brad. Thank you for coming on. And to Knicks Nation, thank you once again for checking in. And thank you for checking out Game of the Week Previewed, which has been hosted by KnicksFanTV.com. Make sure to go check out KnicksFanTV.com. Make sure to go check out the website, especially if you want to get Remy's recaps after the game. He does a great write-up, really goes into detail on you know, every single player from the starters to the bench unit on who who uh, played that night and how they performed and what they could have done better. Great evaluation of every single game. Make sure to go to KnicksFanTV.com and check it out. We also got other great writers over there as well, so make sure to go to check out their work as well. And thank you, Knicks Nation, but make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to share this audio content. We're on all audio listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. Also, make sure to cut up these films, right? Make sure to share the YouTube links. Make sure to share it to everyone that you know because that's only going to help us get more viewers to see this great NBA content and this Knicks content in general, right? And last but not least, we'll catch you later this week and make sure to tune into after for Knicks Fan TV post game after the Knicks versus the Hawks. We out. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.